Welcome to Digital Value Creation. I'm here today with Dharm Sadasivan, VP of Marketing at Thirdware. And I'm very excited to have Dharm here today because we'll talk about manufacturing and supply chain, two industries that have been slightly behind the digital innovation curve. And I'd like to discuss why that is and what the future may hold for these industries. Thomas, thank you very much for having me on your show. And uh, yeah, coming on the heels of, uh, of Vinny, it's, uh, it's probably going to be a tough act, but, uh, but I'll do my best. And uh, yeah, uh, this is a great initiative, by the way. And uh, I hope uh, uh, a lot of uh, listeners and, and audience kind of you know, benefit from, um, from these conversations. To kick it off, Dharm, why don't you tell us something about yourself? Yeah, so uh, uh, like you, you mentioned, uh, I am the, uh, the head of marketing at uh, Thirdware Solution. Uh, we are an IT services company that's based out of, uh, out of Michigan, uh, just outside of Detroit. And uh, we've been in the industry for about 25 years, uh, primarily focused on, uh, on ERP and uh, transaction systems. Uh, we have branched out into a lot of technologies like uh, uh, cloud solutions and automation. Uh, I've been with the firm 23 years, uh, kind of you know, played a wide variety of roles, uh, going from project management, implementation to account management, and now on to sales and marketing. So uh, I also had the, uh, the RPA practice at, uh, at Thirdware. In the last couple of months, there have been a lot of acrobatics because of all the disruption in manufacturing and supply chain. And a lot of companies realize that in these times, they have to do something different. So what are you seeing out there, Dharm? What are the kinds of trends and the activities that you've noticed with your customers? Uh, that's a great question, uh, uh, Thomas. And so I have to like kind of answer that, uh, you know, by kind of looking at what was happening in the whole manufacturing um, uh, sector, uh, and especially automotive, where kind of you know, which is where we play a lot. So over the last say ten years or so, there has been like kind of you know quite some adoption of digital technologies in, in various pockets, but it's not been very rampant. I mean, like unlike say banking and finance or retail or some of these other industries where uh, you know they have been faster to adopt. Uh, you know, digital platforms, it's not been the same in, in manufacturing. So you might call them like kind of, you know, more like a late uh, adopter. Uh, they're also kind of, you know, a little bit risk averse. So, uh, and the, the business models probably kind of, you know, were not so conducive to, uh, to, you know, digital transformation on a large scale, right? So there were some pockets of, uh, of digital transformation, people, you know, uh, Tried to experiment with uh, with kind of you know moving to the cloud, um, may, sometimes not you know moving to a private cloud, uh, and then some kind of you know did some uh, SaaS adoption, uh, and and so some some pockets of uh, of, uh, of digital transformation, but nothing uh, you know large scale, and there was always kind of you know some uh, you know excuse valid. Or not, there's always something to like kind of say, okay, I mean, we can't do this because of this, 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 okay. Uh, what the crisis has done is accelerated that the, the whole process. Now what we are seeing suddenly is, uh, is a scramble. I mean, uh, a lot of the, the, the customers that we work with uh, have uh, legacy applications, uh, mainframe applications, 
uh, etc., which are not really cut out for kind of you know remote working and stuff like that. So uh, yes, there was this initial uh, rush to like kind of you know get everybody uh, hooked onto a VPN and get them access to their systems uh, and 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 so on and so forth. But what I think the companies are realizing is uh, that they they just haven't paid enough attention uh, to what it takes uh, to to digitally transform or kind of, you know, adjust their business models to uh, to kind of uh, be able to like kind of be a true digital, um, uh, you know, sort of a, uh, environment or true digital platform for both their employees as well as their customers. Now, obviously, it's not going to happen like, you know, in mass and like, you know, in all functions, in, in all areas. Uh, there are going to be some pockets of, uh, uh, you know, depending upon what is the need. Uh, there's going to be some internal stuff. There's going to be some external facing stuff. Uh, they're going to like kind of find that balance. But right now there is a lot of interest just because of the, of the situation that uh, these companies find themselves in. Some businesses navigated the crisis better than others. What do you think the leaders do better than the laggards? Uh, you know, some uh, companies have probably invested a little more over the years, so they were in a, in a, in a slightly better position. But, you know, it, let's say if I contrast that to, uh, say, the banking industry, right? I mean, the crisis hit, but did any one of us personally or from business perspective, uh, you know, miss a beat as far as kind of accessing our our, our bank accounts. I mean, we had no issues whatsoever, right? I mean, paying, receiving money, transferring money to like kind of, you know, parents, whatever, nothing. I mean, and, and it was so, it so happened that over the years we took it for granted and, and, and the, and the whole thing kind of held up, right? I mean, there was no, no blip in terms of, uh, of, uh, how we worked either with, you know, through our, our kind of mobile devices, through our uh, internet connections, et cetera, how we connected to, uh, to our banking and financial uh, system and, uh, and conducted those transactions. So when you compare that with what uh, uh, traditional manufacturing uh, you know, is at, uh, I think there's a huge gap. The other thing is, I, I kind of find that a bit surprising. I mean, you touched upon the supply chain part and all. I mean, manufacturing is traditionally a very low margin industry, right? I mean, Typically, like single single uh, digit uh, margins. Uh, so it was a bit of a surprise for me over the years that why would they not adopt technology at a much larger scale? Because this can give them so much efficiency, so much uh, productivity. Uh, and uh, why are they staying away from this? And they're coming up with uh, with all these um, ex- excuses. So there was always some reason as to why we can't do this. So I kind of dug into it a, a little deeper and I found quite some, uh, some, some things. You know, I found some very interesting things. I mean, collectively as an organization, we kind of, uh, uh, we looked at this and uh, it, it was interesting that um, uh, what I found is that they did try out some bits and pieces of digital transformation, but probably the heart was not really in it uh, but they wanted to like show that they were doing something. Um, uh, so one thing that we found that it was top down, right? Somebody at the top said, oh, you know what? Why are we not adopting this, uh, this technology? Or why are we not uh, getting more digital? Digital transformation at the end of it is nothing but a change management initiative. Uh, and in many cases, you know, that was a starting point for, for failure where there was the, uh, you know, it was not communicated 
very well down the chain so that people really understood uh, why are we doing this. Employees kind of decide what they want to use and how they want to use that, right? So uh, you can't really put something and say that, okay, uh, here it is. This is going to like kind of transform our, our business model. It's going to do something faster, cheaper, uh, whatever. And uh, the employees have to feel that. The people on the, on, the, on, the, on the ground finally decide whether they want to use it and how they want to use it, right? So that kind of, you know, we found. So change management, these two aspects. Uh, and then the other thing was, uh, you know, when you put something like this, uh, when you kind of, you know, introduce a, a digital platform or kind of, you know, bring in a digital uh, transformation initiative, okay, it changes the way, you know, the networks, formal, informal networks are kind of, you know, set up. Just the way how, how people work, right? Because of new uh, uh, data, new insights, etc. So it calls for probably, let's say somebody was working uh, in a silo before and now, they, they are kind of, you know, they are having to collaborate with, uh, with a certain other department or colleague or something of that sort. So it kind of opens up this, all these new uh, ways of working. Uh, and the last one is, are, are the, the areas that, that you're trying to implement, are that truly kind of, you know, going to yield you the business benefits that you, you really want? Because at the end of the day, you can put in something and then if it doesn't tie up with your uh, your 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 business plan uh, or, and 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 what you really want uh, it to uh, it to impact, uh, it, it'll be a challenge to like to move that forward. So what I was trying to get at is many of these manufacturing uh, companies tried some of these in bits and pieces. Because of this, uh, it, it became a digital flop, and then they were kind of reluctant to try something else. So they kept trying a little bit here and there, and then uh, you know they they just gave up on on some of these areas. In another interview, we discussed that sometimes companies with digital experience navigated the crisis better than those that who, who had no prior digital experience. Have you noticed how some companies were better than others in digital transformation due to that? Okay, uh, somebody who has the credibility and who can be the spokesperson for that digital initiative or the digital transformation uh, is, is key. Uh, because that can act as a, uh, you know, as a huge influence on, uh, on, on the rest of it. Because all it takes is one naysayer to say, hey, this doesn't work. Okay. And then everybody's kind of, you know, happy to, to give up. Uh, so that is definitely the key. The, the second part that you, you mentioned, right? I mean, once they succeed in something, and we are seeing that a lot with, uh, with the RPA for sure. Okay, but I'm also seeing that uh, in some other areas, like uh, on the shop floor, uh, with uh, with IoT and smart manufacturing, with uh, with some of the uh, what do you call um, uh, you know digitization of the of the supply chain. Uh, so uh, what we are seeing is that that is it, it, once it succeeds, it kind of you know there is a lot more uh, you know traction that. Uh, the digital transformation uh, initiative gains within the within the company. So uh, both are kind of you know I think very essential. There has to be that uh, you know the champion 
some one person or a group of people who kind of you know who champion this, who truly believe it, uh, and can evangelize about uh, uh, about uh, you know whatever digital transformation initiative that they're leading, uh, which kind of you know acts as a catalyst for others to uh, to kind of you know emulate and to to follow. Um, and yeah, I mean uh, RPA off late has been uh, really good. What we we've, we've seen is that the the good part about RPA is that. Uh, the the time to implement and see some results is very very short, right? I mean, so they can see some tangible results extremely fast, uh, and uh, that kind of you know drives a lot of interest, that drives a lot of adoption. So if you can actually put a uh, you know automate a process within eight to ten weeks, which is kind of you know the average time it takes us to like kind of put a medium complexity process in place, uh, they're like wow. Really, in two months, we we you know we get we get to see so much so much results. So I've kind of you know worked across a lot of platforms, you know ERP, EPM, um, you know uh, cloud applications, uh, but RPA is where I have seen like kind of you know the light bulb go off, saying that wow, we can we can really do this uh, and uh, and get some results. It's funny how we talk about manufacturing being a lagger in digital transformation, yet this industry produced the most comprehensive framework called Industry 4.0 that addressed both physical and digital transformation. How do you think Industry 4.0 fared in the crisis and what's the road ahead like? So I, I think if, if I look into the future, uh, Industry 4.0 still holds a tremendous uh, promise. Okay. I think uh, there are some uh, what do you call uh, kind of uh, some some uh, barriers uh, when it, it comes to uh, you know large scale adoption of uh, industry 4.0 um, in terms of you know some common standards and uh, uh, and and technologies and what people understand as uh, truly as as industry 4.0 um, is uh, it, and I think that's going to get like kind of you know cleared up over the next um, uh, you know couple of years. So uh, I see that there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, adoption of of that. So what technology are you most excited about? I know I am about VR. I still remember the first time I saw a field technician with a VR headset fixing a machine that they had no prior experience with. And all the manuals and the uh, guides on how to fix the machine came through the VR headset. What are those technologies that you get excited about? You know, augmented reality, uh, 3D printing uh, going forward where, you know, you, you really talk about, uh, about mass customization and, um, you know, uh, really coming into, uh, into, into play. Uh, and, uh, then, uh, the, the whole IOT, uh, space, uh, you know, uh, kind of, uh, getting ranked. See, see, one, one thing that I, I see is from a shop floor perspective, okay, from a, you know, pure manufacturing perspective, I think there is a, you know, fair degree of automation. So, to your question, I mean, this is something that we actually kind of, uh, wrote about, uh, a couple of years ago, saying that, you know, if you look at, say, take the automotive industry, right? Um, I mean, the assembly lines are, are, automated to an extremely high degree, right? So we actually kind of felt that, hey, if you can automate the assembly line to, to such a, a, a high degree, and you've, you've kind of, you know, done that over the last, say, 20, 25 years or 30 years, um, you, you, would be, uh, you would be more amenable to, you know, automate your, your backend 
processes as well, right? Because you you have a you have a, a proven example of uh, of automating the uh, the, the shop floor. Um, but but you know it it really didn't happen. I mean, like you know that that translation didn't happen. So I just wanted to like kind of you know highlight that. Uh, that was that was very interesting. But going back to the to the shop floor, I think uh, there is a there is a significantly high degree of uh, automation on the on the shop floor. Uh, the question is, uh, how do we get that data out um, into uh, into you know the uh, the enterprise applications? Um, how does that that whole uh, flow of information? Uh, take place uh, in in ways that uh, you know you can that can help you get to mar- market faster. That can be more responsive to changing customer needs uh, and and so on and so forth. You know, planning, replanning. Uh, you know, inventory procurement. How do you kind of you know address the, the how do you break all these different silos and and remove the friction in that entire value chain uh, so that you know you can you can get. Uh, more efficient, you can become more uh, more agile. Uh, you can uh, you can kind of you know um, uh, become more profitable, and you can service your customers uh, faster and and better. So how do you do that? I I think that's the whole challenge, and I think a lot of different technologies are going to like kind of you know play in 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 this uh, in this area. Um, so yeah, I mean I I I think you know for a moment, I mean if you look at the the. The, the current geopolitical uh, kind of you know situation with probably a lot of manufacturing kind of you know coming back uh, into the United States and uh, and and sort of manufacturing kind of you know getting a, 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 a you know a little bit of a of a boost uh, over here uh, I think manufacturers will be forced to like kind of you look at some of these technologies I, I you know I think uh, you know I, I think Vinny touched upon this as well where he said that you know we We've gone too far on the outsourcing side, right? And now when it comes back, I mean, you may not be able to like just bring it back just like that. You let look at how technology is going to enable you to like kind of do this uh, uh, better, faster, more efficient, cheaper. So yeah, you, you, I think you, a lot of technology will, will help uh, manufacturing firms in, in addressing this. Darren, let me put you in a hot seat. You're in front of a manufacturing CEO who just went through the crisis, the acrobatics, the disruption. And they realized that they're missing something in the playbook, something around digital technology. What would your recommendation be for them? Uh, I, I think first and foremost, just kind of if there's something to learn from, say, banking and online banking and so forth. So how is it that uh, they can, companies can, how can CEOs make their companies more resilient in uh, to 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 function in, um, in 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 hopefully we don't we won't have another crisis but you know if there is a crisis uh, uh, and and you know how do you kind of you know not miss a beat I'll, I'll take an example let's take in uh, in in automotive right I mean you do vehicle uh, uh, crash testing so uh, you know normally typical automotive companies kind of you know test maybe 30 35 pre-production uh, vehicles uh, crash test them right um, you could also do it using you, you could do it virtually as well right so if you if you look at that area where if you were uh, if you're doing it uh, physically crash testing 30 cars 35 cars uh, and if you were hit with a crisis like this that whole thing is kind of you know uh, going to be on hold Right, but if you move it virtually, not only are you saving a lot of that that cost, 
but you can also kind of um, uh, kind of uh, uh, keep working on it and and kind of you know just uh, you know uh, improve the the throughput of your um, of your of your business. So uh, so like that, if they look at each area uh, a little carefully and say that you know how can uh, I I kind of you know uh, get away from my traditional mindset of you know we this is the way we have done uh, things in the past. Uh, and, and this is how it's going to continue to know. Uh, let's look at this. Is this the right, um, you know, what do you call a function or is this the right uh, process? Uh, can we apply uh, technology? Can we kind of, you know, apply some, some form of digital platform to it and kind of, you know, change this uh, to meet uh, certain uh, changing circumstances? I think, I think that's uh, what primarily they should kind of, you know, look for. So that was actually my last question. Dharm, thanks so much for joining me today and giving your unique perspective on manufacturing and its transformation. Looking forward to having you again. Talk soon. Thank you very much, Thomas. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you have a great day.